Amen, Sandy. Y'all give Sandy a hand. Thank you so much. God bless you for being here this morning. I, I'm kind of embarrassed because I... Let me, let me make an excuse. Can I make an excuse for myself this morning? Thank you. I love making excuses. Um, anyway, uh, we, we are, we're a shelter for EMA, emergency management, and we have been for years. And, and we, so when EMA calls, and they called about 6.30 this morning, uh, Jim Schultz is one of our leaders. They call him. Anyway... So we open up. They ask us to open up when there's going to be bad weather. And if EMA calls, I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be bad. So, hence, uh, Miss Noble sent me a text wanting to know, you know, she said people are asking her. So I sent some deacons a note and I said, hey, um, let's just, in my mind, I was thinking, you know, if we cancel Sunday school, you don't have to worry about coming up in the bad weather and hopefully it'll clear. And I don't even think it's rained here, even in the sense I, but anyway. But you never know, do you? You just never know. So that was my excuse. So let's blame it on EMA, okay? Well, God bless you. Hey, can I tell you something? I'm glad to have my wife at home. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. And uh, she's and she's not only at home, but she gets better every day. I'm excited about that. You know, she's come home two other times. Yes. Two other times, this is the third. And the other two times, as Bonnie knows, every day got worse when she came home from the hospital. So this time, uh, she, she's better. And that is a tremendous blessing. Your Bible's open to Matthew 26 and 27. And you are going to need your Bibles if you brought it or if you're looking at it on a device, Matthew 26 and 27. Thank you so much uh, for food. Uh, you know, we... There's just two of us. There's not a great need for food, but we do appreciate uh, the food that you've brought um, and the gifts, um, gift cards. I told y'all that last Sunday. You know, what a blessing. Uh, I use those because uh, I was in Birmingham most of the time, and so I used a lot of those gift cards to... Uh, uh, I went to the barbecue. What's some of that barbecue place I went to, Bonnie? Dreamland. I visited Dream Dreamland was two blocks from the hospital. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. But anyway, thank you so much for for the gift cards. That's such a blessing. And uh, I was telling uh, Diane, I said, I was saying, oh man, we don't need these gift cards, and you don't. Thank you so much. It it's a, makes things a lot easier. Well, I go down to usually I just would stay in the room and eat. I'm a grape fanatic, so he does eating grapes. But, you know, I went down to the. Uh, the cafeteria, this is at the UAB, and, uh, and I was a little hungry, so I got two pieces of chicken and two vegetables and a drink. My bill was $18. And so I was thinking, uh, thank, you, thank you for the gift cards. So, so anyway, so it was strong. Uh, that's pretty strong. I'm not going to tell you what I spent at uh, the barbecue place, but that's, that's really none of your business. That's uh, uh, Said special. I got it. Said special. So anyway. Well, God's good. I am thrilled to death that, that Diane's home and doing well. And, and some of you have sick relatives and we're praying for them. It, it's, uh, it's rough. Uh, what is significant about uh, the narrative I want to read to you, um, and it is a lot of Scripture, but it's important because you're going to see the tale of, you might even call it the tale of two, 
two disciples or two preachers, you might say. Because until the end of the narrative, we don't know when we're reading the narrative, nor did the other apostles know that a devil was among them. Uh, You'll see that in, in the Scriptures. They didn't realize that there was a big phony hypocrite that that had faked it for three years. And I want you to see the significance of that and, and how even you and me, there's two situations I want you to think about and we'll start the Scripture. You can be here today and you could have been around good Bible teaching. You could be around good fellowship. You could be around others who really do love the Lord and obey Him. You can see the power of God do things. You can, you can, you can watch the church grow. You can experience uh, the moving of the whole... You can experience all those things and still be lost as a coot. So, it is possible for you to be here and know a lot about Jesus, but not know Jesus. Do be aware of that. Also, you can be here and you can be a true disciple, but you can be following at a distance. And the Scriptures say that Satan will sift you like wheat. The difference between Peter and Judas, Judas was possessed by the devil. That's what it says in John 13. Peter was attacked by the devil. But both men ended up betraying Jesus. One regretted it and committed suicide. The other regretted it and repented. Because he loved the Lord Jesus Christ more than his own life. But Judas did not. So it's not just about the conviction. It's not about getting caught in your sin. Both of them got caught in their sin. It's about what they they thought about Christ. If you read the narrative, Peter loved Jesus. Judas did not. Now think about that. Being around... Can you think of the privilege? I mean, I won't meet Judas... uh, I'll meet Peter. But think of being in the presence of the living Christ, the Son, seeing perfection for three years and then betraying Him and not believing in Him as the Lamb of God. So folks, religion doesn't cut it. Formality, religious formality, it's, it's about a relationship with Christ. And you're going to see that here in the Scripture. So Matthew chapter 26. And if you don't mind, I'm just going to start reading and you follow along and I'll make some comments as we walk through it. It says, uh, When Jesus had finished all these sayings, He said to His disciples, by the way, Matthew 24 and 25, known as the Olivet Discourse, on the Mount of Olives, right across, right across the street, literally right across the street from the city walls of Jerusalem. Okay, um, And really, 24 and 25, most of that Jesus was teaching about the end of days. Uh, primarily what was going to be happening to the Jewish people during the tribulation. Uh, and we're going to look at that, by the way, Wednesday night. We're looking at a little bit of that on Wednesday nights. When Jesus had finished all these sayings, He said to His disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Now let me just clarify one thing. To the Jews, days started at sundown. So the next day started at sundown. So they're going to celebrate the Passover, the disciples are, on 
Thursday night after sundown. So people and then Jews all over Jerusalem and all over the world would celebrate starting Thursday night at sundown till Friday sundown. That was all Passover. So Christ dies Friday afternoon. He's the Passover lamb. Does that you understand? So, and, but the sacrifices would be the day, the next day, would be during the day, uh, the next day. When it got to be daylight, people start bringing their Passover, their lambs. Anyway, so you know that after two days, the Passover's coming and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. They, did, they didn't want to hear that. Uh, then the chief priest and the elders... Now think what Jesus is saying. Then the chief priests... We looked at that some with Pilate. And the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest whose name was Caiaphas. So all these people gathered in, in, at Caiaphas' house. And they plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill Him. They were afraid of the people. They were afraid of the people because what happened on Palm Sunday. Because this is Thursday evening. Because on Sunday, when Jesus came into the city, there's this mass celebration. So the populace at that point loved Him. And so they had to figure out a way of doing it without getting the crowd fired up at them doing something evil. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. Now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, now who else lived in Bethany was Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Now you can read this for yourself if you have a study Bible that might even mention it. Some people believe Simon the leper was the father of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus or a relative. We're not sure, but let's read on. Now, when G, because you, you know that this event's not only about Simon the leper, it's about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. So when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to Him with an alabaster flask of a very expensive ointment, and she poured it on His head as He reclined at table. And when the disciples... Now, Matthew puts it plural. He says, when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why this waste? So Matthew says there was a, there was a, like a, a symphony of complaining. You know, uh, oh, well, this could have been used for something greater than just pouring and anointing Him. But by the way, um, since we're here, um, go to, uh, just, we got to, well, we don't have time, but we're going to take it. Go to John. Go, go to John real quick. Go to John 12. Gospel of John, chapter 12. And, and look what John 12... Verse 3. John 12, 3. Mary therefore... John 12, 3. Mary therefore took a pound of expense... So which Mary is this? It's the same Mary we're reading about. Even though... It's named, in, it's named in John. She's not named in Matthew. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment and made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped His feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now, but look what John says. But Judas is a chariot, 
one of his disciples. By the way, even at the end of the narrative, you're going to find they still call him one of the original twelve, one of the disciples. Even when you have the word betray, he's one, he was one of the disciples. But Judas is a carrot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, John reminds us, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii? That tells you how much it was worth. And given to the poor. Now look what it says. Verse 6. You see, John watched the behavior. He's right there with him. He, He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Now obviously that never became part of the narrative during the three years. All these suspicions they may have had came to fruition at the end of the narrative. But Matthew says the disciples. John says primarily it was who? Judas was the primary complainer about what was happening with the anointing of Jesus. Not because... He really cared about the waste, but he cared about that 300 denarii being in the purse of the disciples and him scamming some of it off the top. That's, and you know this is true because we're going to read it in a minute. How did he choose to betray Jesus? What did he do? He sold him. He sold him for 30 pieces of silver. So, so at some point, we know, you know Satan's entered. Well, I'll tell you what, since we're here, since you're in John, look at John 13. Um, look at John 13. Take me just a minute to find it. Look at verse 2. John 13, 2. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that He had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper and He laid aside. But it says that He, that Satan, it says, uh, when the devil had already put in the heart of Judas to betray Jesus. So, by the way, what is the devil? What is Satan? Satan is, he's he's our deceiver. He's our adversary. And think about this. Listen, this, this group for three years, the deceiver, had, had a hold of Judas. And it all comes to this culmination of him being willing to betray the very Son of God. The very one that he watched for three years live a perfect life, do miracles, preach the truth. He's willing to betray him for money. Back to Matthew chapter uh, 26. Matthew 26. So, where verse 9 says... For this could have been sold for a large sum of money and given to the poor. We know it's 300 denarii, which was 300 days wage. It was a year's income. 300 working days for a Roman soldier. A denarii was a soldier's daily pay. 300 of them. That's what they estimate uh, Judas says it was worth. So it would have been worth 300, uh, a year's wage, a year's income. It's a savings. Uh, but Jesus aware of this says. Uh, could have been sold for a large sum. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. 
For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Isn't that amazing? What a beautiful act. By the way, every time you see Mary... Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, if you read the Scriptures, when you see Mary, she is either sitting at the feet of Jesus or she's kneeling at the feet of Jesus. Interesting. Then one of the twelve, verse 14, then one of the twelve whose name was Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests. This is after three years. All his expectations were crumbling down. See, it wasn't going to be an earthly kingdom. He, he wasn't going to be ruling. Uh, he, he, Jesus wasn't going to establish an earthly kingdom then. So whatever Judas, whatever dreams he had of being a, a ruler or a, a leader in an empire, it, it was not a physical empire Jesus was coming for the first time. And so it says, Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas, is a carrot, went to the chief priest and he said, Here's some of the saddest words. And folks, we might not say this out loud, but in the human heart, there are churches today, right now, you know it to be true. There are churches full of people that this is how their heart really is. Given the right circumstances, given the right offense, given the right spur in the saddle, so to speak, they'll bail out on their faith and walk away. For unbiblical re- whatever. So look what happened. And, and said, What will, goes to the chief priest now, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. By the way, in Exodus 21, that's the cost of a slave. When your exchange rate for a slave in Exodus 21 to buy a slave, it's recorded there, was 30 pieces of silver. Jesus was sold at the price of a slave. Judas sold him out, really for much of nothing. And it says, and from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray Jesus. Now, on the first days of unleavened bread, on the first day of unleavened bread, you know, really unleavened bread is what they ended up calling it, but unleavened bread followed Passover, but it then became called the, the days of unleavened bread. But anyway, now on the first day of, of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand, I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus directed, and they prepared the Passover. And they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, He reclined at table with the twelve. And they were eating. He said, truly I say to you, can you imagine this? One of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful. And they began to say to Him, one after the other, Is it I, Lord? And folks, at least all of them had, you know, because they had been around Christ for three years, and 
They had seen His power. They had heard His Word. They had seen the ongoing miracles. They had been touched by the, the holy life of Christ. They all knew they were sinners. And so they all, it's interesting here, they all began to say in their own hearts, Lord, and say to Jesus, Is it I, Lord? They knew it was possible for each one of them to bail out. So it says here in Matthew's Gospel, so one after the other, they were saying, Is it I, Lord? Now there's one that didn't do that. But they asked to Jesus, every one of them, Is it I, Lord? And He answered, Jesus answered, look at your Bibles, He who has dipped His hand in the dish with, with me will betray me. Not necessarily we know that it's Judas from that statement, but it's somebody that's sitting at that table with Him. Look what Jesus says. Because see, let me be honest with you, there's a great theological point here, a biblical point, is that Jesus does not want Judas at the table when He institutes the Lord's Supper. Because right now it's still Passover. He hadn't taken the elements and changed them to the Lord's Supper. So the Son of Man goes as it is written of Him, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered. Do you see a little difference here? Everybody else said, is it I, Lord? Curios? What does Judas call him? Teacher. Because he's not his Lord. Interesting. Is it teacher? Is it me? And Jesus said to him, you've said so. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread. Now, from the other narratives, Judas left. Okay. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And He took a cup and when He had given thanks, He gave to them saying, drink all of it, all of you, for, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for you. For, for many, for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink it again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away. Again, shocking statement. He, is it not true? He tells them, Every one of you, now there's 11, you will all fall away because of me this very night. For it is written, by the way, this is in Zechariah 13, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Zechariah 13. But after I am raised up, here's some words of hope. Now again, they still are not comprehending the whole narrative, okay? But Jesus is just shocking them that all of them are going to betray Him. He's going to die. They're going to betray Him. You can imagine the, the anxiety that was running through their minds. But He says to them, looking at your Bibles, verse 32, but after I'm raised up, I will go before you into Galilee. What He's saying is, though you're going to betray Me or bail out tonight, guess what? I'm going to be resurrected from the dead and you will see Me. You will come and see Me and I will see you in Galilee. So it's not a permanent, but it's not, they're going to deny Him, but they're not going to betray Him. So He's just the words of hope. Peter answered Him. Now here's Peter, okay? Peter boasts in things that he really couldn't fulfill. Look what he says. Peter answered Him, Though 
They all fall away because of you. I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Now let me just stop here and just say briefly, because time-wise I just need to cover this. Now think about Peter's life. We're going to keep reading, but I want you to think about Peter's life. Matthew's Gospel tells us that when Peter was near Jesus, what I'm saying is when he's close to Him, Peter did miraculous things. Now now think about this. In Matthew 14, Jesus is near Peter. Jesus is walking on the water. And Jesus bids Peter to come to Him. Remember what Peter did? Now, I know he sank, but he did get out on the water, right? So, and then he saw the storm and got fearful and began to sink. Oh, Lord, save me. But, when he listened to Jesus and was close to Him. Now think, just think about your personal life. But also think about how easy it can just come crashing down if you're not as close to the Lord. When Peter was close to the Lord and listened to His Word, he did miraculous things. When Peter was near Jesus in Matthew 16, not only did he do miraculous things by walking on the water, in Matthew 16... Peter said the most profound theological statement recorded in the New Testament. When he, Jesus said, when he says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said the miraculous, right? So he did the miraculous. He said the miraculous when he was right with Jesus, listening to his word. But also, he had incredible courage when he was with Jesus. This is Peter. What does he do? We're going to read it in the garden when they come to arrest Jesus. What does he do with his little, his little sword? His mini sword. What does he do with it? He's the only one that does it. We know there's two swords. Peter has one of them. He takes this small sword and tries to kill one of the enemies of Jesus in the garden. He had great courage. When he was in the presence of Christ, Listening to His Word. Folks, when we get away from Christ, and listen to me, when we get away from Christ and His Word, see, those things go together. When we get away from Christ and His Word, Jesus said that so many times. Hear My Word. Hear My Word. Do My Word. So, you can have a relationship with Christ, but you have, you have an intimate relationship with Christ and When you walk with Him, you have to be hearing His Word. You have to be in the Word in order to be be at, at fellowship with Him. So many of us, you know, we live with memories or feelings. You can't do that. You have to live in the Word. So so just know Peter's life here. So so he's he's telling Jesus. I mean, this guy's already walked on water at least a step or two, right? Uh so so and and he's been told he said a profound thing. So I will never, I tell you, I'll never fall away. And he says, before the rooster crows, you know, you'll deny me three times. Peter said to him, even, look what he look, look what he says. Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples kind of cheer, you know, kind of all echoed the same sentiment. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. 
And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over here and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said, and he said to Peter, So, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. That's late at night, early in the morning. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve. Notice that, it keeps calling him one of the twelve. And with him a great crowd, with it's just incredible, with swords. and I mean, Jesus had a public ministry for three years. So they come with swords and clubs, and they have Roman soldiers, they have all the Jewish Sanhedrin and all this. So they all come, just a huge crowd. And the elders of the people... Now the betrayer had given them a sign. It's, it's dark, okay? And, and somebody, one, the other 11 could say, I'm Jesus, and take His place. And so whatever, the, whatever they decided, He said, the one I kiss is going to be Jesus. Now the betrayer had given... Isn't that interesting? Think of the depth of the heart of Judas. For 30 pieces of silver, he's selling the, the life of Christ in the hands of sinners. Now, the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man sees him. By the way, um, the language there says it was multiple kisses. It's present tense. It means it kept, kept kissing him on the cheek. Uh, and he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. And Jesus said to him, If you want to do a word study, study that word friend. Very unusual words. It's not like philos, Philadelphia, you know, brother, like a good friend. Interesting word, Jesus. Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized Him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out His hand and, and drew His sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then, Judas, then Jesus said to him, Put your sword away, back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father and He will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? Uh, but, how then should the script, but how then should the Scriptures be fulfilled uh, that it must be so? At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out against a robber? with swords and clubs to capture me. Day after day I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But all of this has taken place 
that the Scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled, then all the disciples left Him and fled away. It's right there. So He said, this is a fulfillment. Jesus said, we're fulfilling Scripture. They've arrested Him. They bound Him. And what happens to the eleven? They all run away. Now we know John's going to stay closer than the rest of them, and Peter's going to be at a distance. But let's continue to read. Okay. Um, somebody's watching the weather. Am I right? Somebody has a phone on to make sure that we're not under. Okay. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. And here it is. And, and that's, you know, I, I, this just strikes me. That's why I picked the title for the sermon, okay? And Peter, now they all abandoned him. And John's closer by, we know that. We read it in John. And Peter was following him at a distance. Now, the, the little three things I gave you earlier that. He did miraculous things. He said miraculous things. Had great courage when he was in that personal, almost face-to-face relationship with Christ, listening to His words, obeying His words. And now He's at a distance. At a distance. And I'm just telling you, most of us, and I'm us, me, we follow Jesus at a distance because we want our Christianity to be comfortable. We don't want it to be uncomfortable. We don't want to be seem like we're some radical. We don't want to seem like an oddball. We want to, don't appear as being self-righteous. We, we, just want, we just want to get along. We follow Jesus at a distance where we're comfortable or we think we're comfortable. Well, you might be comfortable in the world, but spiritually, it's a death wish to your spiritual maturity. Look look what happens. He followed him at a distance as far as the courtyard of the high priest, and going inside, he he sat with the guards to see the end. Now the chief priest and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put Him to death. But they found none. Though many false witnesses came forward, at last two came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I beg you or I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, You have said so, but I tell you from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, This is what this so now they're saying, now we have a now we have an, an accusation. So he tore his robes and he, he uttered he said, This man he's uttered blasphemy. What further witness do we need? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your judgment, they answered. And of course, everybody's going to say, he deserves death. So then, now look what happened. So immediately, it, it, I have all these religious fanatics. They've arrested him. They're in this, they all kind of, 
So then it's like this fervor takes over. And so what does he deserve? Well, he deserves to die. And then it says, and they spit in his face. They struck him. And some slapped him. And they would say, prophesy to us, Christ. Who is it that struck you? Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. And a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out, look what it says, he went a little bit further. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and it's six o'clock in the morning, and said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with an oath. I do, I swear, with an oath, I swear, he says, I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly, you too are one of them. Look what it says. For your accent betrays you. So, Peter had the Galilean slang. We have a, and with southern dialect, all of us have it, but it's an Alabama thing. If you go to North Alabama, where I'm from, uh, Calhoun County, Cherokee County, there's our slang is the way we talk is different from you. So Galilean, this redneck, you know, this redneck Galileans, your accent, you're one of the Galileans, that the disciples, they all came from Galilee. Then he began to invoke a curse. So first he swore with an oath on the second denial. And just remember what he just said. This, it hadn't been very long he swore to Jesus. He'd die with him. This is just moments away from that. He invokes a curse on himself. And he swears. So he says, you know, let me die. And he says some bad words. You know. I do not know the man. And immediately, the rooster crowed. We'll stop here. I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to go to Luke 22. Luke 22. Matthew, Mark, Luke 22. I'm going to read the narrative part, verse 54. Okay. My, my, how many Peters are here? Think about this. Boast of mighty things and come crashing down. You cannot, you cannot follow Jesus at a distance and be, and be an obedient disciple. You just don't do it. You don't, when you're away, when you're at a distance, you're not listening to His Word. You're not walking in the Spirit. Okay? Just a, it becomes just a religion. You, you just, 
the enemy can find a foothold. All these things happen. Verse 54 says, They seized him and led him away. This is, this is just Luke's narrative. They bring him to the high priest's house, and Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light, seized by the fire light. By the way, uh, another thing. Um, remember when Jesus restores Peter when they go fishing in Matthew, uh, John 21? You with me? Remember? Jesus builds a fire and he has breakfast ready. The same coals. What I'm, what I'm saying is the fire Jesus built on the Sea of Galilee is the same kind of wood and coal that this. You ever been around a fire that smells, you know, has a certain aroma? You love, okay. Same aroma. It's interesting. So when Jesus builds the fire to restore Peter, the fire's the same. What I'm saying is not the same flames. It smells the same. I just find that to be interesting. But we move on. So he says, looking closely, he sees him in the light, you know, the fire. This man was also with him, and he denies it, saying, Woman, I do not what I do not know him. And a little later someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval, about an hour, still another, insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I do not know. Don't you like that? Man, can you hear him? Man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster, oh, that's horrible. But the next one is the verse that'll just rip your guts out. And the Lord turned, wherever Peter was, he was with an eye shot of Jesus. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter, their eyes met. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord. What Jesus had told him. Before the rooster crows, today you'll deny me. But here's the difference between Judas. What did Judas do? When he saw Jesus being really betrayed, beaten like that, he realizes he's made a mistake. He takes the silver back, they end up saying, we don't care. Peter throws it in the temple. Uh, they end up buying a field with it, the, the religious leaders. But what does Judas do after he gets caught betraying? He goes out and commits suicide. And he doesn't even do that right because the book of Acts tells us the limb broke and he fell headlong and his innards burst out on the little stones. Peter, because Peter loved Jesus, what does he do? He weeps bitterly. Now, here's my point. We stop. What are you going to do? Let's be honest. Every one of us followed Jesus at a distance. He saw Peter, but the Bible says in Hebrews, He sees you. As a matter of fact, Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 4 that you and me that our lives are naked before Him. He sees it all. So if we're, following out of, if we're following Jesus at a distance, He knows we're at a distance. What are you going to do? Are you and I, are we going to weep bitterly and repent? 
Or are we going to keep playing the game, the Peter game? Just follow him at a distance so we're comfortable. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and our hearts are open to the Lord. And we're praying. I just want you to think about the significance of this narrative. We're not near through, but you have a betrayer who dies and goes to hell. Even being exposed to the truth and holiness for three years dies and goes to hell. There, there may be somebody like that here. But I pray that everyone, or at least most everyone, is like Peter, that you're here today and you are a disciple, but, but you follow Jesus at a distance. And, and there might need to be a change in your life and in your heart today. So the first part of the invitation, in a moment we're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation. But the first part of the invitation is this. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, and you know the truth is that you are following Jesus at a distance, maybe today is a day of renewal for you, a day of fresh commitment, whatever term you want to use uh, Today is a day that you're going to make a fresh commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know He sees you. You know He sees the apathy. He sees the hypocrisy. So today is going to be a day where you return to the Lord Jesus. So that's the first part of the invitation. But the other part has to be to those that are without Christ. And and I know our crowd's small today. The weather was bad. and and, and so. But even in a crowd this size, I want you to know statistically what they tell us there's somebody here that they you're like Judas in the sense that you've been around it for a long time you know the terms you've seen God move but honest to goodness it's not personal the fact is you don't love Jesus Christ the Bible says the love of Christ controls us you Don't love Him because you don't know Him. And you don't know Him because you've never left yourself. Judas loved himself, died and went to hell. I want you to know that you've got to abandon yourself. You're a a wicked sinner. I'm a wicked sinner. The difference is I left myself and came to Christ 40 some odd years ago. I'm begging you, abandon yourself in your sin and cling to Christ. So the first is invitations for those of us that are like Peter. And the invitation is for those of us that are like Judas.